something that, that a lot of Christians don't really realize, and that is that Jesus really intends for us to enjoy our lives. He intends for that to happen. He said in, in John 10.10, 10, he said, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, But I came that they might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. He said, I came that you might enjoy life. Life is to be enjoyed. The, the Greek word for life here is the Greek word zoe. If you study things out, you find that, that it basically boils down to this. Life is the life quality of God. Life is being connected to God. And so Jesus said that he came to connect us to God and that connection should bring enjoyment in our lives and it should bring an abundance of it and it should overflow out of us. It's the will of God for us to enjoy our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that everything goes hunky-dory every day, does it? I mean, we know there's an enemy. We know he wants to stop us and he wants to, he wants to, us, to bring us into the curse. But Jesus told us that he came that we could have and enjoy life. Uh, he said that, and what that means basically is that we win. I honestly believe that if we don't quit, we win. The devil is banking tonight on Christians getting hold of the truth. Or not, he doesn't want you to get hold of the truth, but he's banking on it. If you ever do get hold of the truth, that you won't stick with it. And he's expecting us to quit. I remember years ago when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and my father, he thought I was crazy. <clears throat> and he looked at me and he said, it won't last, it'll wear off. You know what? He was wrong. I mean, it's been there the whole time, you know, because Jesus fills us with his life. We win if we don't quit. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, it says, it says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. When we believe the word of God, we win. It overcomes the world. Even our faith, the word faith, the Greek word is pistis. And the word pistis means to be sold out. Well, actually, the, 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 the definition in, in the uh, concordances, it, it means to, to give absolute credence to a thing or a person. In other words, it means to be sold out to it, to absolutely be convinced that it's true. The scripture says we overcome the world by being sold out to what God has said. When we sell out to that, more than what we feel, more than what we see, taste, touch, hear, and smell, we believe the Word of God. We believe what He said more than what everything else says. You know, we, we have to learn how to, to speak what God said. My body sometimes says, I hurt. I've, I, I'm, I'm learning how to say to my body, you say you hurt. He says... He carried my pain. Okay, so I have to learn how to agree with him. True faith is not understanding it. It's believing it. And you know, you can believe lots of things you don't understand. I mean, I believe when I flip the light switch on, the electricity is going to come on, the light bulb is going to come on. I don't understand how that works. I know there's a wire in the wall, and I paid the, the utility company every month so it'll keep coming back on. But 
I don't understand it, but I know it works, and I believe it every time. And if it ever doesn't come on because that light bulb is burned out, I am extremely disappointed because I expect it to work. We need to be that sold out to the Word of God. The purpose of faith is not for God to be my butler. You realize the Holy Spirit is not the heavenly butler. God is our heavenly Father, and the purpose of faith is for His will to be done, His purpose to be done in my life. He wants to get me to the place that I believe Him to the degree that what He said comes to pass in my life. Whether that is health, whether it's finances, what my joy, whatever it is, that's the purpose of my faith. When I, when I have a life that's full and I enjoy it, that means truly all things work together because I do love God and I am the called according to His purpose. When you read that passage of Scripture in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it's connected, of course, to the rest of the chapter, and it has to do with being the sons of God. It has to do with being people who pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, and in spite of all of those things that come, when we learn how to be the sons of God, we believe God, we walk in the Spirit, and by the Spirit He prays through us, and when that happens, truly, all things work together for good to those that love Him. We find the definition of loving God, in Mark's gospel, when Jesus said, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And he will come and make his abode with us, and he'll fellowship with us. I mean, I, I love all this stuff, because when he comes and makes his abode with us, that means he brings his stuff with him. I mean, you know, I think I've told you this before. I had a, I had a roommate that moved in one time when I was when, before Tammy and I got married, and he brought his stereo. It was way better than my stereo. And I was happy that he moved in. Not because I liked him that much, but I really liked his stereo. <laughs> It was a great stereo. If he had just paid the rent on time, it would have been better. But he had a great stereo. When God moves in, he brings his stuff. He brings his health. He brings his abundance. He brings his presence. And so when we love him, we simply just obey what he says to do. And when we do that, he comes. And Jesus said, and we will manifest ourselves. That's what we want. We want the manifestation of Jesus, the manifestation of God. And so we know that, that, that if we love him and we're just living for him, that doesn't mean we're flawless. Hear me. We're not flawless. We're not flawless. You know, I'm in the jewelry industry. Let me just tell you something about flawless. It's flawless. If you can hear somebody say, it's a flawless diamond. It's flawless at 10 power. That's what flawless means. If you magnify it big enough, if you get up to 60 power, you're going to find something. If you get to 100 power, you're going to find something. It's flawless at 10 power. Okay? You may look flawless to me tonight, but it's 10 power. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right? None of us are flawless. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a current, loving, living relationship with God our Father and doing the very best I can to do what He tells me to do. And when I mess up, understand that the blood of Jesus avails for me. And just get right back in the flow of what He's called me to do. Man, that's the way God wants us to do. We, we understand that the blood of Jesus it avails for all my sin. Not just the ones I have committed, but it's already been shed for the ones I will commit. It's already done that. I simply have to, by faith, appropriate what that blood has done. 
I do that by having faith selling out to the Word of God. I feel bad because I did X, Y, or Z. I want to, I want to hurt myself because I did such a bad job. But the Bible says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And so I tell myself that in spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel. And when I begin to talk that way to myself, you know what happens? Eventually I begin to act that way. And I begin to be mindful of those things. Not flawless. Only at 10 power. Only at 10 power. <laughs> the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's the kind of life we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to trust Him. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. And we've talked about this before. You look up that word all in any Greek lexicon and it means all. Every single one. God gives us all things to enjoy. The word enjoy in the Greek literally means full enjoyment. God gives us everything so we can enjoy it fully. Amen. Here's what happens with most of us. Is we look at things and we say, man, this is wonderful, but man, I wish we had that. We need to learn how to enjoy this. We need to learn how that until I'm enjoying it fully, I'm not getting everything out of it. We need to have, he says he gives it to us richly. The word richly here means to be rich, to be wealthy, to have more than you need. He gives us all things richly so we can enjoy it. The Bible says in Psalm 35, 27, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God is not in heaven trying to withhold good things from us. He's not in heaven trying to punish us. He's not in heaven trying to say, You know what, Jesus? He did such a bad job today. I'm just going to take away his car. I'm going to have a car wreck. I'm so mad at him. That isn't who he is. That's not what he is. He, he's, that's not, he, he, he is good. He's doing everything he can for, for me to prosper. Prosperity doesn't mean necessarily to have a lot of money. What prosperity means is to have enough to meet all of my need plus some to give away. That's how we know we're prosperous. We have enough and we can give away. We can be givers. And the Bible says God has pleasure in that. He, it pleases him. Listen, he loves us. He wants to do good things to and through us. He enjoys it. Here's what I know about God. He's a blesser, not a curser. He's a giver, not a taker. That's not in his nature. He gives and he gives. The scripture says in James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of heights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything good comes from the Father. I found out a long time ago, this is deep and theological, God is good, and He does good things. The devil is bad, and He does bad things. And the gifts that God gives are always good. The Scripture tells us that there's no varying in it. It's the same all the time. God is good. He's always good. There's not a shadow, not even a hint of Him doing the opposite of good. 
God is good. See, He's not changing His mind about you. He's not changing His mind about the good gifts. You know, I have kids. They're grown now. But you know, sometimes they mess up. Doesn't mean, okay, well, you're not getting a Christmas present from me this year. (laughs) You messed up. No, no, they know that even when they mess up, I'm still going to get them a Christmas present because they're my kids and I still love them because it gives me pleasure to do that. See, we need to learn to live life the way Jesus intends for us to live it. Too many times the devil is yelling in our ears, shame on you, shame on you. You are such a bad person. You don't deserve anything. This is happening to you because you're a bad person. God will do it for Bill because he's good. But you, no, you're no good. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. God is good. He's good. Jesus said this. He said in John chapter 17. I'm really going somewhere here in a few minutes. He said this in John 17 verse 16. He's praying. He's talking to God about us. And he says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus, he didn't, he's not calling us aliens like the heaven Roswell. <laughs> but we are aliens here. This is not. Listen, our life here is the shortest thing we will ever do. We are eternal citizens of heaven. And Jesus said, we are not of the world. He he earlier said, he said, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. And I love it. He said, sanctify them. The word sanctify literally means to set them apart, to take them into a place for yourself. Set them apart through your truth. Your word is truth. The only way we are set apart from the curse of the world is with the word of God. I'm going to tell you right now. And being sold out to it. Committing ourselves to it. Listen, when we decide, okay, God, your word said. I know daddy said, but no, you said. And I believe what you said. I know my body's saying this, but you said. That's the way we get separate from that curse. We're sanctified through His truth. I love the message translation, or it's not translation, the the paraphrase says, they are no more defined by the world than I'm defined by the world. Do not let the world, your circumstance, what you can see, what you can hear, do not let any of that define you. Don't Don't let it have a choice to define you. We don't have to live like the world. Now, we may have to go into... And through some of their storms. But we get totally different results. Because we are to live our lives in enjoyment. Not because we've done something to deserve it. Or because we're entitled to it. There's no entitlement. I'm telling you something. We can't do enough good things for God to owe us anything. You know, it's, it's all about His grace. And us believing him. But because of his grace that travels to us through the channel of faith, we can have and we can enjoy life. And that's what he intends us to do. Listen to these verses of scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says this, Thus saith the Lord, 
Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. This is talking about people who used to trust in the Lord. He said there's a curse here. For he shall be like a heath in the desert. A heath is a, a shrub. He shall not see when good cometh. He won't even know when it comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and in a salt land not inhabited. The next verse is better. Verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope, in, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So you can be one of two people. You can be the one that trusts in man, trusts in the world system, trusts in the world's governments, and trusts in what the world will give to you. And he said, you'll never know when the good comes. But when you trust in the Lord, when you trust in the Lord, you are blessed. You're blessed. And he said, you won't even know when the drought comes. You won't know when the hard times come. They'll come and say, wait a minute, why aren't you suffering with us? Oh, I didn't know y'all were having, having this problem. Why aren't you having a bad time during the recession? Really? I didn't know y'all were in recession again. Because we are the blessed and not the cursed. That's who we are. We trust in the Lord. The way I read this verse of Scripture is I say Randy is the blessed man that trusts in the Lord. I want to make it as personal as I can. While the, girl, while the world is going through all the stuff that's related to the curse, you and I have a choice because God is our hope. We trust in Him. Listen, we'll live in His blessing, which, which is promised when He's our source. We're blessed. We're blessed. The word blessing, let's see in my notes, so I'm going to tell you anyway. The word blessing is this. It has to do with, with when... Someone, someone uh, speaks well over you, as if a king is crowning a knight, and he 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 speaks and he says, "You are now, sir, whatever you are." And then he says, "Rise." The word blessing has to do with being spoken well over, and then rising up in power to fulfill the office that God has just assigned to you. Okay, so when it's, when, when, I love it when you say, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And I always want to say, what does that mean? Oh, it means things are going good. That didn't, that didn't at all what the word blessing means. The word blessed means that I've been empowered to rise up to all that God has given me to do. And I'm favored to do it. That's what it is to be blessed. Anyway, we're blessed when we trust in the Lord while they're going through this stuff. You know? we got problems, I understand that, but we also have authority because we're the blessed and we're the highly favored. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. The problem with Christians is we just take it. The devil does it, and we go, Well, that's, that's terrible. We're, you know, I hate it. But, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to stand up, and we're going to take authority. And we're going to say, no, I have authority over all the power of the enemy. Not some of it, not most of it, not the part I, part I think I can do. Over all the power of the enemy, and nothing is going to hurt me. Sometimes it's like one time Tammy and I were on this, we're going on a trip. We're getting on the airplane. We're going back to our seats. 
Well, Tammy had already booked the seat. She knows where her seat is. She knows where my seat is. It's one of those little planes that has the two seats on one side and one on the other side. You know, the aisle is between that. So we're getting on that plane. We're going down there to get to our, our seat. Hers was on the one by itself, and mine was on the aisle on the other side because we both wanted an aisle seat. So we're walking down the aisle. We get down there to where her seat is, and there's this boy. He's a teenager. He might have been 15 years old. Maybe, I don't know. You know, At this time, I don't know. He might have been 20, but he was a young guy. And he's sitting in her seat. And so we walk down the aisle, we get in there, and she realizes this kid is in her seat. And she looks at him, and she said, where are you supposed to be? And I'm telling you, that boy began to scramble, and he began looking at his boarding pass, and he said, I'm in, I'm in such and such, such and such. She goes, well, that's over there. And that boy got up and went over there. Here's what happens. The devil, we walk down the aisle, and the devil is in our seat. And sometimes we say, oh, it's okay, he can sit there. What we need to say is, where are you supposed to be? And when he pulls out his boarding pass, he's going to find out the boarding pass says he's supposed to be under our feet. And we need to say, get where you're supposed to be. We need to begin to take authority over him instead of just letting him do whatever he wants to do. We need to choose to do whatever God tells us to do. Listen, we're not under the curse. We are highly favored by God. We live in His grace. Listen, by faith we receive the grace of God daily. And the Scripture says He daily loads us with benefits. Daily loads us with benefits. We need to understand the devil is not the one who's in charge. We have favor. We truly do have favor. We, we need to walk in that favor. We need to do what we're supposed to do. And that brings me to my text. <laughs> to the real Sometimes it is just there. You just have to let it go. And we've looked at this text for several weeks, but we're going to read it one more time. This, we're going to conclude our series on grace tonight. The Bible says this, and in John chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. The Amplified Version says, bye-bye, we'll see you later. The Amplified Version says, For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, and all had a share, and were all supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor, and, fa- and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Now we've looked at that passage for several weeks now, or several times. We've been looking, of course, at the subject of favor or grace, is what we've been saying. Right, it's referring. We found out that the scripture is referring to layers of grace. It's talking about grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. We found out the word for grace in the New Testament and is the word charis, and the word charis is the same as the word for favor. It literally means graciousness, kindness, or sweetness. In God's sweetness, in his kindness, even when I didn't deserve it, God opened a way for me. When I believed him, He made a way for me to have salvation, made a way for me to be saved from the curse of the world, to be delivered, to be made whole and made well. In his kindness, it was a sweet day when I chose to believe him and that favor just flooded my life. 
kindness, sweetness. Man, we, we talk about people today think about grace and they think it's some thing that's out there and that if you're lucky you get some and, and it, it, it forgives you of your sins and all that. Grace isn't about that. Grace is about God's favor today, opening the door today. The grace is God's power that opens heaven on our behalf. When we believe him, I mean, grace comes from heaven through that channel of faith because we're, we're by grace we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. The channel is faith. When we believe him, I mean, heaven comes and God's favor is on us. His kindness, his sweetness comes to us. Grace is, is, is this enabling force that empowers us to accomplish his will in our lives. And we've looked at that over the weeks. We talk about grace. There's, there's more grace. Getting to heaven is the beginning of the grace. The Bible talks about how that we got saved by grace. Now we live by grace. We grow in grace. When we get to heaven, we have eternity. And he's going to spend eternity showing us more of his grace. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great time in heaven. We need to learn how to walk in that kind of grace. We found out that the scripture says this. It says, grow in grace. It says, he giveth more grace. It says, and great grace was upon them all. The Bible talks about that we have been highly favored. We need to recognize all those things. Think about this passage of scripture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and you know these verses. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you more work than you can imagine. A lot of Christians think that's what's supposed to happen. I'll give you stress upon stress because you're not doing enough for me. We have, I'll give you job after job that you'll hate just because I'm mad at you. People don't really believe what the Bible says. I'll give you the toughest life of all just so you'll be grateful when you get to heaven. No, no. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that something? I'll give you rest. Is he talking about, I'll just let you sit in the easy chair for the rest of your life? He's talking about rest on the inside. You know, Americans don't rest very much. They might sleep, but they don't rest because they're filling their soul with all kinds of stuff that never allows them to rest. But Jesus said, come unto me. And I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. I love this phrase. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul. That's important. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said we're supposed to learn of him. See, we find that Jesus has this heart attitude that is meek and lowly. He has this heart attitude that is gentle and humble. Well, we found out that humility draws grace. When he says he's meek and lowly or gentle and, hum and, and, and humble, it sounds a little bit like, like kind and gracious that we talked about before. And that, that draws the grace and it draws the favor. See, we're supposed to learn the kindness and the graciousness of God. And then it says when we learn that, we can find rest unto our souls. Find it. Discover it. The word rest literally means intermission. Or it means a time of refreshing. 
I tell you, I know lots of Christians who need to be refreshed. We just need a refreshing. We need to have rest. We need to come to Him and learn of Him. He's meek, lowly. We'll find rest unto our souls. It's interesting. It doesn't say our spirit. It says our soul. We need rest in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions. Most people I know are stirred up all the time. You know, I was doing a job interview for this girl today, and I was telling her, I said, you know, here's what I don't want from you. I don't want any drama. (laughs) Knowing when I said that, that she probably has drama. Because I tell everyone that. They come to work and I say, okay, no drama here. Oh, I don't have any drama. And then pretty soon they got drama. Because people don't have rest in their souls. People's emotions are so tied up and strung out. They're so stressed out in their minds. I mean, the problems, the, 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 the speed of things. People need rest for their souls. Listen, people just need an intermission. You know, when you go to the play and it's intermission, you get to walk out for a while. If you don't want to, you don't have to come back. I love the way Jesus says, the message says this. Jesus said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Uh, you know, religion will burn you out fast. It'll, you know, if you go to most churches, if they find out that you can... Uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. You're going to be teaching a Sunday school class to babies and, and you'll be tired and burnt out before you know. Because they've already burned everybody else out. Now they're running the new ones through. As it goes on to say, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I like the way that sounds. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. See, we need to live on, live by faith on purpose. We need to pursue the kingdom with violence. We've got to be postured to receive grace, receive grace, receive grace that comes by faith. Amen. But it's an unforced rhythm of grace. Listen, you're never going to force grace. You just believe God. If I really believe in God, I'm going to be a happy person. It's not this, I'm believing in God. I'm just thinking God's going to do something. I'm always, I'm always entertained at church when we're worshiping God and people are doing this. You know, it's an unforced rhythm of grace. It's not, it's not something we, it's not forced. We can only walk by faith, trusting in God. It's His job to provide the favor. He provides the grace. It's this rhythm of trusting, obeying, and the favor coming. You know, 
I just give it to you. You're going to have to do this. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm taking authority over the devil, and I'm going to be happy, happy, happy because I know you. See, we can't force grace. We can't even demand it from other people. We simply walk in the rhythms of grace. So I'm going to look at this for just a few minutes. Walking in the rhythms of grace. My, where has the time gone? What does what, what does grace do? What does the favor of God do? In addition to getting you to heaven, what does it do? We looked at this verse a few few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen. It says, "Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Here's what grace does: grace helps. What would you do if you had more help? I mean, facing these things, your emotions are tied up and it's all, you know, oh God, you got to do something. What would happen if you had more help? That's what grace does. When you're in this rhythm of grace, grace provides more help. I know this, I need more help in being the kind of husband I'm supposed to be. Being the kind of teacher I'm supposed to be. Being the kind of man I'm supposed to be. I just need more help. I just have the rhythm of His grace in my life. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, listen to this, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. There's strength in grace. If I can just get into, if I can just get more grace. I don't know about you, but I could use more strength. I could, use, I could use more strength, and favor gives me strength. The word strong here literally means to empower. It comes from the Greek word dunamis, and you know what that means. It means miracle power. It's, here's what it's telling me. It's saying there is miracle power in the grace. I don't know about you, but I need more of that. I need to increase in the favor of God that produces miracles in and around my life. I need some miracles. I don't know about you. I need miracles. There's strength in His grace. When you're weak, you're made strong because of grace. Think about this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 7. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, let's just, I'm going to read the whole verse here. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Let's clarify the verse first. He says, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. If you look up the phrase thorn in the anything, the flesh, the eyes, the I can't remember what the other ones are. Every time it is talking about a literal physical enemy in the scripture. Thorn in the whatever is talking about the enemy that comes against me. Okay, This is not talking about God giving Paul an eye disease. You can't, I'm telling you, that is one you can't find anywhere in the scripture. It's not talking about an eye disease. He said it was a thorn in the flesh and then he identifies who the thorn was. A messenger of Satan. The word messenger, the Greek word, is angelos. An angel of Satan. There was this demonic spirit that followed the apostle Paul around. 
He said this messenger, this thorn, this demon figure, he said it follows me around to buffet me, to stop me. If you read the the book of Acts, you're going to find out wherever Paul went, either they had revival or riot, one of the two, and usually both of them. Because this demon spirit went wherever he went to stir them up to stop this man from preaching the gospel. The apostle said this thing. He said, for this thing I I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He said, God, make the devil stop. That is not a good prayer. Oh, you're 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 either going to love this or hate this. It's not up to God to make the devil stop. It's up to you. You are the one who has the authority in the earth. You are the one who can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. You are the one that God gives that that authority to. And And he said, and God says, he says, God, make him stop. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Let's just talk about it for a second here. We're talking about grace here. He said, My grace is sufficient for you. Here's what Paul is saying God, make him stop. God said, My grace. The word sufficient means barrier. He said, my grace is a barrier for you. He's saying, I'm going to take care of you in this. This thing isn't going to stop you. I understand that they're trying to attack you. My grace is a barrier for you. For my strength, my supernatural power is made complete, is fulfilled when you can't do it in your own flesh. And Paul says, okay, then I'm going to be happy. Infirmity doesn't mean sickness, it means weakness. He said, I'm going to glory in my weakness that the supernatural power of the anointed may rest on me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that grace gives him supernatural strength. Grace gives him the ability. It protects him against this thing, and it gives him the supernatural ability to overcome it. He said, you know what? I'm just going to take glory in my weaknesses, my inabilities, in reproaches, necessities, persecution, distresses for the anointed one's sake. When I am not able, then I am supernaturally empowered, is what he says. That's what grace does. Grace makes us strong. Grace makes us overcomers. Grace makes us strong or weak, no matter how great the opposition is, no matter how daunting the obstacle is. This is this rhythm of grace. God, I just trust you. I believe you in the process of this. And you know what? If the devil is in my way, I believe that you give me the authority to put him under my feet, to move him out of my way. You told me that believers, in your name, they cast out devils. You said that they remove, the King James says, take up serpents. It literally means remove snakes, which is a picture of demonic power. We have the authority to remove them in the name of Jesus. I need that kind of grace, that kind of grace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 
says, Wherefore are we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved? Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Grace enables us to serve God with excellence. It's his favor that enables us. Listen, we're not capable to do the thing God called us to do. It's his favor that makes it happen. He's the one who does it. I'm the one. I'm the one who needs that. We need that. This is one of my favorite passages about, about grace. And we'll be, we'll be finished here in just a moment. It says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Here it says, grace teaches me to deny godlessness in the present age. Grace teaches me. Grace enables me by teaching me. It teaches me how to live a life that pleases God. The Message Bible says, we're being shown how to turn our backs on godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled life, God-honoring life, this new life starting right now. We need that teacher Grace is the teacher that does that. The scripture says he gives more grace. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. God gives more grace to the humble. And we've learned that. Listen, we need to get in the rhythm of grace by simply believing him, simply receiving from him. We know this. Faith is the channel it comes from. Faith receives what grace provides. When we trust him, we believe what he said, then we have his favor in our lives. And I'm telling you, we can turn the devil back in every circumstance that opposes the plan and will of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for grace. I declare to you, we need more grace. Lord, we need great grace. We need the kind of grace that opens your plan, opens your will in our lives. We need the kind of grace in our life that we can believe you and expect you to do what you say you will do every single time. Father, we give you praise tonight for your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.